Our guest today, Dr. Gina Cox, shares her unique perspectives for CEOs, C-suite executives, and boards on why leading inclusion tops diversity. Join us for episode 225 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right next to me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, everybody. It's great to have you with us again. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders accelerate themselves and, of course, their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. And you know, Pam, as advisors to well-intentioned CEOs, C-suite executives, and boards, we know they believe in building organizations of engagement and commitment. But it can be a challenge to convert this aspiration into reality. Yes. Increasingly, employees, partners, and other stakeholders expect top leadership to go beyond their good intentions in tangible, meaningful ways. Yeah, that's right. So it's time to take a fresh look at the journey of leading inclusion. That's why we're glad to be speaking today with Dr. Gina Cox, CEO of Feels Human LLC. She's an organizational psychologist, executive coach, and author of the book, Leading Inclusion, Drive Change Your Employees Can See and Feel. It's an award-winning guidebook for corporate leaders who want to build inclusive organizations from the top down. Before this, at IBM and Perceptics, Gina advised leaders in the Fortune 500 and other large global companies to build psychologically healthy and engaging organizational cultures that drive business outcomes. A noted voice on human-centered leadership, Gina shows executives how to stop using 2019 behavior to address 2022 workplace challenges. You can read much more about Gina's background by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 225, and scrolling down to her bio. Gina, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Oh, wow. Pam and Scott, it's really a pleasure to be here. We are so glad you could join us. It's been a wild time weather-wise in your area, and mm -hmm. uh, yet we're so glad that you were able to stay safe. Oh, yeah. I live in Florida, and for the benefit of your of your listeners, and uh, we are very lucky where I am in Tampa Bay because we dodged the hurricane, Hurricane Ian. But of course, we think a lot about our neighbors to the south. Mm -hmm. We're just the lucky ones. Exactly. It's really about perspective, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. we all have what we see immediately around us, and yet we're all impacted in so many different ways. And it seems appropriate that we're talking about inclusion. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the major influence that led you to write your book. It really goes with a mission, doesn't it? You know, I came at this book from two different angles. The thing that really immediately pushed me to write the book happened in the spring of 2020, when in the span of three months, 
people were killed in this country at the hands of police in situations that I couldn't understand. And I thought, what can I do to be helpful with this? And from that perspective, because I'm probably not going to be the activist in the street, I thought, you know, there are some things I know about organizational life that have taught me that very often leaders and organizations don't really understand the experiences that their employees are having. They might have a sense of it at an aggregate level, but they don't really understand the nuances. And what if I could write a book that would help leaders really understand the experiences, especially of you know, the historically marginalized people, I think then they might be able to figure out how they could be part of the solution to this challenge that we have. So that was, you know, that was a primary thing. But I I would say the other thing I want to mention about that, you know, if you ask about this origin story is that, you know, I'm an immigrant. I came to the United States when I was 20 years old. I, you know, it's fully formed. I had a point of view of who I was. And I realized that I had to adjust. I had to sort of learn how to be an American and more specifically, I had to learn how to be a black American woman because now this is where I would be living. Mm-hmm. And that perspective, which has influenced everything that I have experienced ever since then, is really relevant to this book because I have uh, been able to sort of observe, sort of look down as I've, cons- as I've been consulting to leaders. I've been able to sort of look down and see the experiences of people who look like me and see where the opportunities exist. So it's those two things that have really brought me to the point where I mm-hmm. thought writing a book would be useful. Mm-hmm. So this unique perspective you have of being both an outsider and an insider mm-hmm. really yes. powers your your insights and helps you with other people. Now, the big idea of your book, one of the big ideas is about inclusion and you say that inclusion tops leading inclusion tops diversity tell us a little bit more about that idea and what it means to top leaders oh it means a great deal because one of the things that i noticed especially in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. is that organizations have gone headlong forward i think in very well-intentioned efforts Mm -hmm. to enhance diversity in their organizations especially since may of 2020 and i applaud all of those efforts I do unfortunately recognize, however, or I believe that many leaders have gotten pretty bad advice because there's a couple of things that I have seen being done consistently that I think explain why it is that two years later, I still hear leaders say they haven't seen meaningful outcomes from all of this work. The first is that it's great to go out and look for people who fall into groups that you haven't traditionally had in your organization. Right. Mm-hmm. That is a representation issue. That's the D in diversity right. and inclusion. Right. It's fantastic. But if you do that, but you haven't created a platform in your organization, meaning the culture of the organization that is inclusive, so that when these people then show up, they can feel as if they're welcome here. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to say they they have the feeling that they, they've come to a dinner and there is a place setting that has been set for them. Mm-hmm. If they don't have that feeling, then all your efforts at enhancing diversity are for naught because those individuals will not stay or they will be disengaged and stay, which is equally yeah. bad. Oh, so yes. they won't have a feeling of agency. And if no. you have no feeling of agency, you can't do anything meaningful. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. And it's the managers who make the difference. Right. And so what I found that the organizations were doing is they were getting ahead of themselves. Let's go hire more people. Great. <laughs> yep. They hire these people, bring them in, and have managers leading them who were clueless. To be clear with you, though, 
people of color and people who have all the are very very in all the ways that humans vary don't need special leadership right what they need is what i call 100% leadership they need their they need the managers to give them the same kind of attention and support and empowerment that they give to other employees mm-hmm. so so when i say the managers weren't ready i don't mean i didn't i think the managers weren't capable i think the managers were just not accustomed to dealing with this group of employees so building on that then what i hear is that not all of these managers who aren't fully including it's not driven by bad intention it's not driven by animosity it's it is as you say some somewhat of a sense of cluelessness not understanding fully is it, am i right in that well they probably are some managers that yeah. fall into that category, yeah, but I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to assume, certainly for this conversation, that every manager wants to be an effective manager. I'm going to mm-hmm. assume that, right. right? Good intention. Let's go there. So let's assume that. Then what I learned in preparation for my book is I interviewed about 30 executive leaders, corporate leaders. I also did a survey of approximately 500 working women, including 159 Black women. I did this between May and September of 2020. And what I discovered was that the leader said, you know, yes, they were very honest with me. They say, we kind of avoid these diversity and inclusion issues, Mm. number one, because we really don't want to alienate our our colleagues and our clients. Another reason we do it is we're not even sure it belongs on our plate. Mm -hmm. And, And the third reason is we don't really understand these people. Who are these people? People who don't look like them, Mm -hmm. uh, with whom they haven't had these interactions. So the interesting thing about that was that's what the executive said. Thank you for being honest. I appreciated that. Here's what the Black women said. They said, we know that. We see that. We feel that, (laughs) right? And additionally, they interpreted that as a lack of respect because Uh, they perceived that the managers and leaders were avoiding backing away rather than coming closer. So Scott, you called it cluelessness. I'm hoping that what I just said really explains what we're really saying here. There's a gap. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a gap between a gap of experience and a gap of understanding. You know, it's, it seems like, we're also talking about elephants in the room, as they mm-hmm. say, where everybody knows something is going on. Nobody wants to talk about it for fear, for fear. Yes. Fear of making yes. it worse. that's right. Me. Yeah. Absolutely. I say that there is this magical list of five things that are taboo to talk about in the workplace, you know, sex, religion, politics, money, and race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What has to change if we're going to solve the problem that we're talking about today is we have to be prepared to talk about race and money mm-hmm. in corporate corporations and no longer have it as taboo. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. So the other thing that I was really energized by is the importance that you say, the importance of CEOs, C-suites and boards for leading inclusion versus delegating it as a program. We'll talk about it more in the next segment, but just on a high note here, can you tell us a little more about why you believe that? Yeah. You know why? It's because it's like anything else in corporate life. If it isn't led from the top, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And we all know this is the reality of corporate life. So why would we think this would be any different? And plus, we've got all the years of history of observing efforts that didn't work when the executives have, and the boards have not been involved with this issue. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're talking about culture. And we have collectively here all been talking about leading culture has to come from the top. 
And if yeah. people believe and understand that this is just another aspect of leading culture, suddenly it makes sense. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll speak more and dig deeper with Dr. Gina Cox, author of the book Leading Inclusion on the mindset it takes to lead inclusion. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we at BAI focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. We're excited that Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper has been selected as a top podcast in the business marketing and tech category of the 2022 PopCon Podcast Awards. And just recently, we were also named one of the top 100 podcasts from Thinkers 360 Thought Leaders. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, spread the good word. Just open Growth Igniters Radio on whatever podcast app you use and write a review. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Dr. Gina Cox, author of the award-winning book, Leading Inclusion, about the critical role of the CEO and other top executives in leading inclusion. Gina, tell us how people can find out more about you, your book, your keynote, and other advisory services. Absolutely. They can go to my website, which is my name, Gina with an E, G-E-N-A-C-O-X.com. And if you put a slash and then follow it with the word bonus, you will be able to get some materials that I have available for anyone who's listening to this podcast. And I would love to share those with you. That's great. And you can find more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 225, and scrolling down to resources. So Gina, when we left off, we were talking about the importance of, in the first segment, we were talking about the importance of leading inclusion as being something that comes from the top. So CEOs, C-suite executives, corporate directors. But you also talk about, in your book, the importance of mindset. Let's dig deeper. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about what kind of mindset you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you so eloquently framed this part of the conversation, Pam, that, you know, when, when we use the word inclusion, which is different than diversity, diversity is about representation. Inclusion is about that day-to-day -day experience of employees in an organization. And that means it's got to be led from the top if every employee in that organization is to feel it. And so I say that takes mindset, yes. boldness, and action, my inclusion MBA framework. And so mindset, which is, of course, now the mindset of the leaders at the top of the organization, the board of directors, and mm -hmm. so on, means that very simply, leaders must decide, they must make the decision that this is something that matters in their organization. And so mindset is very simply what do you believe about issues mm -hmm. that I call ready issues, about inclusion? What do you really believe? 
are you able to articulate why you might want to leave this kind of effort in your organization? You must be able to articulate your vision. What is it you would want to accomplish? Uh-huh. And so the other thing that mindset includes is articulating the why. Why would we need to do this? What's the benefit to the organization and the stakeholders? And then, of course, really important to be able to say then what outcomes matter. One of the things I see often in conversations about diversity and inclusion is that they're very broad and vague. But you know from your work that the only way we're going to make sure we get to the thing is we define, well, what are the outcomes that we'll measure so we'll know Mm -hmm. when we get to the thing. So those elements are really important on the front end. So I think your point about outcomes is really important here because too many times people go, well, I want X number and this number and this metric, and it's driven by numbers. And I was very impacted by the title of your book, meaning that that seems like the metric you're looking for, that employees can see and feel it. Can you tell a little more about that? And Pam, thank you for noticing that because the the subtitle of the book was very intentionally chosen. So first of all, organizations must be clear about the distinction about what is it that they're getting or buying Mm -hmm. or going for. Diversity has to do with representation. And Mm -hmm. yes, you need to count numbers relative to, you know, what's your workforce like relative to the available workforce on whatever dimensions of difference matter to you, whatever variations you're, you're focusing on. So you have to have the numbers do matter in that sense. But as I said before, inclusion must come along with this diversity. And how do you measure inclusion? What I find is that organizations are not paying attention to measuring inclusion and they don't know what to look for. So my shortcut way, the thing I want every leader to remember is that if you really want to know what inclusion is like, what the outcomes are like in your organization, you would talk to employees. You would ask them. Mm How do they feel? You know, what are they experiencing? So it indeed drive change that employees can see and feel. I noticed that when the headlines came out in the Wall Street Journal and Fortune magazine and Business Insider and, and all of the other fast company, all the other publications at the beginning of 2021, and then again at the beginning of 2022, the general idea was we're not seeing much progress on this diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, what the heck were they measuring, right? Exactly. What were organizations? That's my point. Yes. Yeah. What were they measuring? They were only measuring, as you say, representation. They didn't necessarily know how to measure this inclusion thing. And, and so surveys are one of the best ways to do right. that, of course, at an aggregate level. But making sure then that when you do a survey, then you're able to break the data out so you get the different points of mm-hmm. view. That's important. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, what we're talking about in inclusion is feeling, and then feeling translates into behavior. What we really want is effective behavior from the top all the way through the organization, so that when people feel included and have agency, Mm -hmm. they will behave in a way and people will receive them in a way that adds value to everybody. Yes. And I will tell you that, that, you know, at the beginning, you asked the origin story of the book, but I had another epiphany that helped me to write this book. Uh I once joined a company and really had the unusual opportunity to early on meet the CEO's family. It was a a group situation. It wasn't just a, a situation where I was the only one present. And then several months later, The CEO was at a dinner at a a business event that I attended along with some of my colleagues. And so we had some small talk and I said, oh, you have a beautiful family because I had seen them many months before. She responded in a way where she recoiled. 
she recoiled hmm. so hard that her I could hear her chair scraping on the floor. And then she goes, how do you know my family? Ooh. Her huh. response indicated to me that she saw me as other and somewhat and was somewhat afraid. Like she was asking, well, how does she, she really was asking, how does this woman know my huh. family? So of course I was very calm and I said a few words and I explained, but I, in that moment decided I needed to leave this company because I knew the CEO really wasn't seeing me as an equal. What does this have to do with what you asked, Pam? It has to do with the fact that employees can see. They're always looking for the clues yeah. to indicate yes. that you have a certain level of comfort, interest. In fact, I call it curiosity, mm -hmm. connection, and comfort, my mm -hmm. three Cs, right. with them. I didn't see those three Cs with that leader. And this stuff we're talking about here, it's not just the surveys. It's what are the leaders doing on, on a day-to-day -day basis? What do they say to the street, but also what do they say in their town hall meetings, in their communications to employees, or what do they avoid saying? So and many so, different ways. Yeah, yes. so this comes back to the mindset. And when we were talking about that a few minutes ago, you had a term, READY, mm -hmm. R-E-D-I, right? It's an acronym. And uh, you also have a uh, spoken about a gateway to this mindset called skin in the game. Can you tell us a little bit about ready and skin in the game? It's a warm up, uh, I think you said. Yeah. What's yeah, the importance of that? Well, so ready is my alternative to the words, you know, DEI or DEIB. I mean, right. there's so many different acronyms and I don't get hung up on the acronyms, but mine starts with the letter R, R-E-D-I for a very important reason. I told you earlier about the study I did where I identified the gap between the way leaders were behaving and what people of color were, were judging and right. perceiving. And what I discovered was that for people of color, particularly black women in this study, what they wanted more than anything else was respect. They wanted to know that the minute they showed up in a space as a human, mm -hmm. that there was a certain degree of respect that was just given that they would also reciprocate. That is a bare human condition for interaction. And when that's absent, then they felt like they just, this was not a place that they needed to be. So I am starting my model with the letter R standing for respect because I know that the recipients, the people can see and feel it. They can tell you when they feel respected and when they do not. And so the Ready Skin in the Game warm-up is just a, a catchy title, really, for a little tool that I have that is really meant to remind people, are they curious? Are they connected? Are they comfortable? So they answer a series of questions that, that causes them to sort of get quiet and say, you know what? Hmm. I, I really don't know a lot of people who don't look like me. I don't interact with people who don't look like me. And hopefully then what that gives them an opportunity to decide to do is to seek those people out, mm -hmm. find ways to get comfortable. Because as you all know, it's all the solution to all of this is not in the, it's not in the academic and the strategic alone. It's in the day-to-day -day feelings that people have with one another. It yeah, is. So this is a gateway to awareness. It is. And yeah. part of that awareness as I was going through it and, and reading the book, is it helps you to uncover your biases as well. So, you know, it is soul searching. It's not a casual thing you do just lightly. It's, it's yes. you need to be open yeah. to yourself and getting to know yourself. Maybe you could share a story about a client maybe that you helped through this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Since you mentioned the skin in the game warm up, I'll use that as a transition. All right. 
you'll notice that I, I think of my book as it's a business book, but it's a non-traditional business book. And the reason I think of it that way is because I didn't want to just share all the facts and all of the psychology knowledge and so on, although that's in there. I wanted people to have a personal experience as they were going through this because the gap that I talked about earlier, it's an emotional wow. gap. It's not a financial gap. It's not an administrative gap. It's a, mm -hmm. an emotional gap. So I work with leaders and I, first of all, remind them that I'm going to think about all of this in the same way I would, I want you to think about it in the same way that you would think about solving any problem in your organization. And so when I work with an executive team, I'm trying to get them to have a couple of, a few outcomes. The first outcome is I want them to be able to articulate as a team what it is that they want to accomplish about this so-called diversity and inclusion thing that I call ready. Most of the time they have hmm. no idea. So the first outcome that I'm driving to is what is it that you're wanting to accomplish for your particular organization? The second thing, however, that I'm trying to accomplish with executive teams is to get everyone on that C-suite team to have a shared agreement, understanding about what it is they're about to do. Because the thing that I know from my experiences is that when the whole team is not on board, you have some people who slow up Absolutely. the effort. They don't yeah. delegate. Absolutely. They delegate without yes. accountability. So I'm driving towards that. And what that really means is I do both individual work with individual C-suite members of the team one-on-one -on -one so that they have a chance to sort of process the the, the, the pre-work, but then also sit with me and do a little bit of coaching to help them figure out where do they stand? What is their mindset? What boldness do they need and what action can they take individually in their, mm -hmm. you know, for their part of the business, but then to bring that back to the collective, to the entire C-suite team, where then we talk about, well, what does the C-suite team need to do in terms of mindset, boldness, and, and action? And to the board, so too, an and with the board. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, I was just using that C-suite example, but, but, but the point is, it is really, really important that they are then able to leave with something tangible enough that they, now, they have sort of their marching orders that they have defined about what they're going to do and what they cannot do. You know, they have rules of engagement. And then they have a bit of a plan that now they can go and get to the details because, you know, one doesn't have to have a chief diversity officer or a chief inclusion and diversity officer. It isn't mandatory. But if one happens to have somebody who is that point person for this kind of work, most of them quit these jobs after less than two years because they're under-resourced, they don't have the political clout, the financial clout, and they don't have the strategic perspective. So when I work with a, a C-suite or a board, my intention as well is to make sure that they had now have enough of a, a plan that they can, a recipe that they can share with those that they're asking to actually implement this and that they know what role they will play. Exactly. So it really is a journey. I mean, as you're describing it, it's a yes. journey and it starts with this mindset and that's a perfect place. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Dr. Gina Cox, author of the book, Leading Inclusion, about immediately useful ideas for creating ready leadership success. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. You can check us out on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in a rapidly changing world, 
Why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? As an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to embrace the leadership paradoxes that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, How Growth Igniters Lead for Tomorrow, starting today. You can go to PamHarperSpeaks.com today to find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership conference. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Dr. Gina Cox, author of the award-winning book, Leading Inclusion, about the critical role of the CEO and other top executives in leading inclusion in their companies. Gina, remind us how people can find out more about your book, your keynote, and your advisory services. Well, my book, Leading Inclusion, is available wherever you'd like to buy your books. You can also go to my website, ginacox.com, to learn more about me. If you go to ginacox.com slash bonus, you'll be able to download a special little gift that I have for the listeners of the Growth Igniters radio show. We highly recommend this book. I was just drawn to it, and I was reading it. Gina makes it so easy to be engaged with the book. She's leading inclusion right there. So uh, be sure to go to that download and uh, buy the book. So when we left off, we were talking about the ready mindset, as you call it, and really the journey of leading inclusion so that employees can see and feel this. And I want to also put in my take that this applies to other stakeholders too. I mean, when you're leading, you're leading multiple stakeholders, strategic partners and all. And these issues, I kept reading it and saying, this applies to more than just the employees, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. It can apply to so many different situations. And, you know, it's it's really interesting, the notion of inclusion. I'm really glad that the conversation has been elevated and that we're having the conversation about this topic. Because as you say, it, inclusion can be manifested in so many different mm-hmm. ways. Right. You know, I, I am an entrepreneur, but I'm, I have a small, tiny little business in comparison to the big consulting firms. And it's really, really hard for me to get to do business with the, with the Fortune 500 in my own little practice, even though the quality of the work and the depth of my insight are, can, I can hold, you know, my own with sure. any of the, of the big three or four consulting companies. That's an example, I think, of inclusion applying to suppliers. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. with this in mind, let's talk about three immediately useful ideas. The first one being an immediately useful idea for developing your own personal ready plan. So, you know, I mentioned the three C's before, curiosity, connection, and comfort. Right. That is where the answer lies. And I don't care what you're, what you do for a living. I don't care where you live. The most important thing that you can do is recognize that humans vary. Human variation is normal. And therefore, I really have to develop a mindset, a practice of curiosity and interest in people who don't look like you, who have a different lifestyle, not to say that, not because they are different, but because 
this is just the human condition. You know, we, we, these are all the ways we, we manifest. So for example, when I'm walking in the neighborhood and I find somebody who is walking with a dog, I'm very interested in that person because I'm interested in their dog. I love dogs, uh-huh. but I know that I'm using this as an excuse because now I can talk to them about a variety of things. Yeah. And so the way that I go up to people and ask them questions, I don't say, you know, where do you live and where did you get your college degree or any of those kinds of things? You know, I, I ask them about, you know, tell me what you do with this dog. What brings you up today? And they always then say something. And then I can go and say, Question number two, based on what they said, I look for ways to draw people out. And so it's just like you're taught when you're an interviewer. You know, when you're an interviewer, you don't just ask closed-end questions, you ask open-ended questions, right? right. You ask, so you ask people, tell me about this, or where did you get that beautiful thing? Or oh, this is something I haven't seen before. Tell me more about that. I mean, these are some, these are some of the most basic things, but the alternative is what most of us do, which is we step away. We avoid. Mm-hmm. So the number one thing is to approach rather than avoid. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So, and the point you said is that all humans vary. And we can activate our curiosity by realizing that that variation can be incredibly valuable if we can only unlock it and understand and bring people into us and us into them. Yeah. Then we create a buzzword synergy. <laughs> that uh, can really help everybody. You're absolutely right. And I feel compelled to add one more thing. Yeah. And I hope no one is offended by this one more thing. But I think in a country like the United States, where we have so much, it gets very easy not to notice what's going uh, on around us. Mm-hmm. I really think that. And I compare that to my experiences in living in other places. Uh, there's a word that I'm trying to find here, but everything is nonchalant. We're like, oh, been there, done that scene. Uh-huh. But you know what? <laughs> Humans yeah. are so interested in their variation. Yeah, I, I just think that this is something we're not taking full advantage of. <laughs> it's a real opportunity for growth. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's go to another immediately useful idea. How about how do we connect? Building on this, how do we connect with a wider range of stakeholders so we can foster that sense of inclusion? Yeah. So, you know, I do think you have to have collaboration as a core value of yours. Okay. If collaboration and reciprocity are not something that you think about much, I think you're missing this opportunity. Here's something I'll share. And this this applies to all kinds of things, not just the inclusion in the formal sense. Most of the success that I have achieved in my life has come about by, first of all, I'm curious, I'm connected, you know, I, 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 I follow those things myself. But I assume that if I help someone else in some little way, that one of these days when I need help, they might be willing to help me out. So I operate from the assumption that my goal in life is not to get. Mm-hmm. My goal in life is to, to give, to support, to help. And then everything sort of works out. This is really an important principle for the things that we're talking about. Because if you don't approach people and get to know them, you have little opportunity to ever help them. And mm-hmm. certainly they have a little reason to sort of reciprocate. So especially in the workplace, it is really important that organizations reward collaboration, reward supporting and positive workplace behaviors. When you catch an employee doing something that supports these values that hopefully you articulated in your you know, vision statement mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. what you want, then you've got to find ways to reinforce the positive and also, of course, to, to make sure that the negative things don't repeat. 
And of course, you talk about this in the book. So we're talking at a very high level here. But just so that those of you listening don't feel like, okay, now what do I do? There are definite recommendations. In fact, in the book, you have a number of concrete recommendations for ways that people can use their curiosity to connect. And I think that's, that's really important. And just building on that, one of the things that is near and dear to our heart, and we, we talk about all the time, is having conversations with people you don't usually talk to. Because that not only builds a sense of connection, but it fuels the thinking process in ways that could really be surprising. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, thank you for, you know, giving me the cue to talk about this. But, you know, when I was writing the book, this was a section I almost did not include. But then I said, you know what, people do want really concrete ideas. They do. And so one of the ideas in my book comes from, actually, I have a friend. Her name is Gina. Gina with an E, like mine. What are the odds of that? Gina Scurry. But Gina has has created this game. It's called Over Coffee Games. If you go to overcoffeegames.com, you'll find her game. Her game does exactly what Scott's describing. She encourages people to pull a group of people together that you don't, not not, not just only your friends, you know, bring in a few people that you don't know. And you could have a salon every week. You could do this every Mm -hmm. Friday afternoon over, over wine, you know, with your core group of four and then four that you don't know. And if you keep doing this over time, it gets very easy. But what the game does, it just gives you some prompts some questions to ask that Uh have people laughing, have people going, I hadn't thought about that for years. Have people saying, Oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. But they're, they're, they're revealing their own stories. It's the best and most effective way to conquer or master the three C's that I describe in my book. That's great. And in uh, your book and, and other articles, you talk about additional games as well. And that's interesting because one of our recent we podcasts, just released. We, we talked about increasing perspectives through games. Yeah. Changing the pattern. Change the pattern by changing the game. We're big with using yeah. games. So we'll have some too, links so. to these resources in our resources session. That's fantastic. Yeah, games are very important. And yeah. I think for executives and for senior level leaders, you're sort of protected. You know, we know that you're sort of held into your special space. Everybody wants to do everything for you. It's hard for you to get out of the box. Yeah. And so sometimes you can do, you know, things like the games, having very purposeful, you know, sharing meals, gratitude meals, and those kinds of things that you yourself get involved in. Because I will tell you, if you're if you're a senior executive, to the extent that you are distant from the experiences of the day-to-day, day-to-day experiences, you're missing a lot. So you do need a couple of experiences where you are right directly talking to employees, you can hear the issues from the horse's mouth. And this yeah. is one way mm-hmm. to do it. That's great. great. So let's talk about one other thing, which is you describe something called modeling the ready way. And is there an immediately useful idea, something people could do just, you know, as soon as they're done listening, Mm -hmm. that would exemplify modeling the ready way? Yeah. So I, I do think this whole idea of communicating with employees directly is one of the most important things. And this applies to any aspect of culture change. But for the things that we are talking about, 
I do think that when leaders are not sure what to do, they or you know they do nothing, they say nothing. The most impactful thing that any leader can do is to find a way to communicate directly to employees today about anything, about anything, okay. whether in the form of an email, whether in the form of a, vo- of a voice thing, or however you communicate in Slack, however you do it. The most important thing is that you can be visible and talk directly to employees about whatever it is, including diversity and inclusion. And the best way to do that is to just tell a story. What's uh, the least boring thing that happened to you this week regarding this topic from a leadership perspective or whatever? Employees are hungry. They're waiting to hear what you're experiencing, too. So they could just, you could just say, I just listened to an interesting podcast and here's something I want to ask you or, you know, immediately. Yes, you could say that, you know, my aunt lives in Florida and this weekend when I was supposed to be doing this other thing, I was worried about her. And let me just tell you what my life is really like. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let me tell you what my life is. You think I'm doing this, but here's what I'm really doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Exactly. Good. And stories are such a powerful way to connect. It, it, yes. They really are. So here we are. This has been an incredible conversation. Before we go, we'd love if you'd share some final thoughts on the role of CEOs and C-suites and corporate directors in Mm -hmm. leading inclusion. Yeah, well, the most important thing, of course, is that everything that we've been talking about requires that it be led from the top. And unfortunately, both C-suites and um, boards, corporate boards, tend to not be particularly diverse at this moment in time. They are getting better. So, you know, I really encourage leaders, however, not to treat this as as an issue that belongs over there in a corner, something that is esoteric, foreign, and you don't understand it. You've got to get your hands dirty, get involved so that you really understand this issue, just like you understand marketing marketing and sales and all of the other big functions that support your business. Because when you have that insight, you don't have to do, you know, you don't have to, of course, you're not going to do it every day. You have to set the vision. And this is the only way you'll set a vision that will generate the outcomes that employees can see and feel. So changing inclusion from a should do to a I need to do. Yes. Yes. Well, Gina, thank you so much for being our guest on Growth Igniters Radio. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pam and Scott, invite me back. (laughs) Oh, you will be. You bet, Gina. This is a conversation to be continued. Absolutely. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links like that bonus from Gina. For this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com. Select episode 225. Until next time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. As we lead inclusion, what can we do starting today to think differently, feel differently, and act differently? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.